Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. I'm so glad uh, you guys are here and excited about just preaching God's Word today. I'm going to be talking today specifically, be preaching specifically on this title. You ready? How to Overcome Being Overwhelmed. You know, if there's a common denominator besides Christ here today, it's the common denominator that all of us in this room have at some point in life known what it is to be overwhelmed by something. You know, I thought about just walking in the house the other day. You know, we have four kids uh, that, that are pretty young, and I just got to thinking, what when I see something, what overwhelms me? Uh, walking around the house, and I, so I came up with a top three list. And, and one of the things that overwhelms me is after supper time is, is looking into the sink and finding these dishes. And just never-ending supply of dishes, right? It, for some reason, it just overwhelms me because I know at the end of the day, man, we got to tackle those things. And even something as small as dishes can become overwhelming. I got to think of the, t- the second thing that really o- overwhelms me about our, kind of our family is our schedule, I mean, just how busy. Now, y'all probably don't, don't know, but life gets busy every so often, right? And, and as our kids get older, our schedule gets just crazier and crazier. And then they make these great magnets where you can put it on the refrigerator and be reminded every four minutes of how busy you are. It's my favorite place in the house, the fridge, and there's a calendar. Um, now, here's my top thing. Now, let me give an honorable mention real quick. These guys, you know what this is, a diaper? And... Uh, there's nothing like seeing your kids stoop in a corner for about 10 minutes knowing something's fixing to happen big, and you're going to have to be a part of that. That's kind of overwhelming. But here's the most overwhelming thing in our house. I've got three uh, daughters who are girls, and, um, and they have a lot of clothes. And sometimes they like to change three and four times a day. It's unbelievable. Um, like, all I have in the closet's this, right? You know that. And anyway, but, but laundry, how overwhelming can laundry be? And so I brought this in today. You know what my favorite thing to do in the laundry? Towels. Aren't they great? Aren't they the easiest thing? You just you gotta fold them up and, and put them in. Everything else is witchcraft to try to fold around our house. And so we didn't even try it. And you know what's amazing? Just in a couple of minutes to look at my house this week, isn't it amazing how the small things can overwhelm us? And, and that's not all that, all that life has to offer. It's not only can many small things overwhelm us, But there's also some really big things in life that can overwhelm us. And so the question today we ask of Scripture is how is it that we overcome being overwhelmed in life? How is it that in Christ as believers we overcome that which overwhelms us? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20. That's in the Old Testament. And so make your way there if you would. Um, In my feeding schedule this week, uh, we talked about that a little bit last week, getting on a a reading plan through the Bible, the New Testament. I was in Matthew chapter 1 and I was reading through the genealogy of Jesus. And I know that can be uh, laborious at times, but it's beautiful because it it reminds us of how God makes and keeps his promises. It's really a, a celebration of how God would usher the Savior in the world. And I remember coming across the name. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 8, there was the name of a king. And his name is a little bit awkward. 
but it was Jehoshaphat, right? Now, let me tell you why it's awkward for me. I have a skinny jean-wearing, v-neck-wearing brother that preaches down in Seymour, and his biblical name for me is Jehoshaphat because it's got the word fat in there, right? And and so that's what he calls me. If you want to write him ugly emails, I'll have his uh, email for you later. But that's, it's just an awkward name. But yet there's some incredible stories behind this name in Jesus' family tree. Here's what we know of this king. Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of Judah. That we find in 1 Kings, kind of a testimony of his life, that at the age of 35, he would take the kingdom. He would take the reins of the kingdom. He would become king. And as he did that, he would rule for some 25 years, which was a, a pretty big feat in that day. For 25 years he reigned, and here's what we know of Jehoshaphat. He was a good king that sometimes made bad decisions. Hey, guys, you know what? I believe this, that in Christ this room is filled with some really good people who maybe just like this old king, at times we just make some, just some boneheaded, some bad decisions. And yet, the chronicler, watch this, the testimony of this king as his life would come to an end in 2 Chronicles 20, 22, the, the summation of his life was this, that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Hey church, and this is for free today, how wonderful would it be if you and I got to the end of our lives and it was said of you and it was said of me and they they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Hey, just know this. The decisions we make today determine what is spoken of us then. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. In fact, today, we're going to dive into one of those right moments in Jehoshaphat's life. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we're going to begin in verse 1. And the Bible reads like this, that the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Midianites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. In verse 2, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, hey, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. On in verse 3, it says, alarm. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. He proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together, verse 4 teaches us, to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. What we find in verses 5 through 11 is this incredible prayer from Jehoshaphat. And what he's doing is he's calling on, he's commemorating, he's celebrating the sovereignty of God over the nations. And towards the end of his prayer, he's asking God, why have you not destroyed this enemy? God, in your sovereignty, in your might, in your power, what he would call on in his prayer, why is it that you've not only destroyed my enemies, but God, they are enemies of you as well. Look at verse 12. He says this, our God, will you not judge them? Have you ever been to that place in your life? God, would you smite my enemies? Would you tear them down? Just thank God he didn't answer that prayer for somebody else towards us. In verse 12, watch what he says. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacked. You know what? Here's the king. And he's doing something that's hard for a king, that's hard for a, for a man to say. I'm powerless. And watch these next few words. We do not know what to do. God, we are powerless and we do not know what to do. You know what we're seeing a portrait of here? And that is of a king who's overwhelmed. Have you ever been there? 
in a situation where you go, God, I'm just powerless to make, to change anything. In the small things to the big things of life, God, I, I just don't know what to do. You see, right here in these passages, we find four ingredients that when mixed together, when brought together, bring about an overwhelming life for each of us here. Did you catch the first ingredient? In verse number two, what came to Jehoshaphat? Bad news. Hey, by the way, King, didn't mean to ruin your Sunday, but there's a ginormous army out there. They're bigger than us, stronger than us, and they're going to kill us. Bad news. You know what it's like to hear news that you weren't expecting? That if you were to label it, bad news from a spouse, from a doctor, from a boss, from a friend. Man, an ingredient of being overwhelmed is some news that ain't too good. Here's the second ingredient we find in here, the ingredient necessary for us to be overwhelmed. Watch Jehoshaphat's response to this news of this invading army. The Bible says he's alarmed. That's, that's a really nice way to put it. Man, he's freaking out on the inside. Anybody else had a freak out session on the inside before? Anybody ever been overwhelmed to the point where they are alarmed? That means this, that fear and discouragement begin to creep into our, our hearts and our minds. Here's the third ingredient I find in here. Go on in verse 12, and he says, this is simply, I'm powerless to change any of this, God. For us to be overwhelmed, there's a sense of powerlessness. I, I have no power against this. And here's the fourth ingredient we find. In verse 12, this king confesses, I don't know what to do. Yesterday, I talk about small things sometimes that can be, that can be overwhelming. Um, on Friday night, my, my kids attended an event for kids out in this big old field, and they had a blast. Yesterday morning, we went home, did a movie night, and they, they all fell asleep, so we picked them up and put them in bed. And um, Saturday morning, we were going out to the lake. My oldest daughter, Avery, gets her swim trunks on, and she goes, uh, hey, Daddy, what are these little black things all over me? And I begin to look, and my kids had somehow gotten near a nest of baby ticks. And I looked at my daughter, I was like, I don't know if you're going to make it. I have no idea. I... But look, I mean, just, I love you. It's been great. I, and, and so for the next two hours off of all four of my children, man, we were tweezers, a little bit of alcohol, not to drink, just to disinfect, although I could have used some. Anyway, and so we were sitting there, and we're picking them off. Our, our kids, I just remember thinking, when she said, Daddy, what are these? And I looked closer. I was just like, ah. Overwhelmed, life can be that way. And those ingredients come together before I know it. Even small things like ticks can have us overwhelmed. So what is our course of action? When life becomes overwhelming, hey, by the way, all the kids survive. When life becomes overwhelming, what is our, what's our course of action? How do we go forward? Well, we find it 
And a good king who sometimes makes the bad decision but is known as doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Man, we find one of those right decisions right here. Let's finish out his prayer in verse 12. He says this, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We, and I don't know the next steps, but my eyes, Lord, they're, they're on you. You see, Jehoshaphat gives us a great lesson here on what it is to overcome being overwhelmed. And ready, believer, here's what we find. That when we're overwhelmed in this life, our prayer must be this. Lord, we don't know what to do. Oh, but Jesus, our eyes are on you. It reminds me of the 121st Psalm. And you're welcome to turn there. It's called the Psalm of Ascent. And sometimes when we read scripture, we, we just kind of move past descriptions like that. But back in November of 2019, um, I was entering into Jerusalem. And what you know of the city of Jerusalem is that it's got a pretty high elevation. And so how you get into Jerusalem is you climb. Whether you're driving or you're walking, you climb into Jerusalem. You rise into Jerusalem. You ascent into Jerusalem. And while we were doing that, our God told us to open up to the 121st Psalm. And let me just read it to you. Verse 1, it says, I, I lift my eyes into the hills. For where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. And sometimes we cut it off there, but listen to the treasure that's found after. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, who who watches over Israel will never slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you in verse five. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over you coming and you're going both now and forevermore. You know what this passage of Jehoshaphat reminds me? That there is nowhere better to put our eyes in on Jesus. Then when life is the most overwhelming it can be, in the small stuff and in the big stuff, having our eyes on him help us to overcome what overwhelms us. And so the question, we read a psalm like Psalm 121, and the question becomes, how is it that we ascend? How is it that we rise? How is it that we climb over? How do we scale that which overwhelms us? We must keep our eyes on him. And here's the key, church. And look nowhere else. But we got to have our eyes on him. We got to keep him there. And turn our eyes to, to no one else when life becomes overwhelming. You see, the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, reminded the church to fix, to keep, to have your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. You see, overcoming when we're overwhelmed is all about having your eyes on Jesus. Now, I want to say this. If you've been overwhelmed before in your life, if life has been overwhelming for you, you're in pretty good company. And I say that because some of the greatest personalities, some of the greatest heroes in all the Word of God find themselves in seasons, in circumstances, and in life overwhelmed. I want you to consider Job for a moment, who seemingly lost everything that matters in this life. News after news came, bad news after bad news. He lost his children, his livestock, his livelihood. 
He was a man who was overwhelmed by tragedy and, and loss and grief and sickness. In fact, he would say this in Job 30, verse 15 and 16. Terrors overwhelm me. My life ebbs away. Days of suffering, they grip me. Night pierces my bones. My gnawing pains never rest. Just a glimpse into a life that is overwhelmed. And yet as you unfold Job's story in the word of God, you find time and time again this overwhelmed man fixing his eyes, keeping his eyes, having his eyes on Jesus in the end of his story in Job 42, 12. And the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life than he did the former. You see, Job overcame what was overwhelming by having his eyes on the Lord. I think of Jeremiah, the great prophet who was overwhelmed. Just read his work. He was overwhelmed by loneliness, feelings of defeat, and great insecurity. He would write in Jeremiah 20, 14, Cursed be the day that I was born. Why did I ever come out of the womb? To see trouble and sorrow and end my days in shame. And yet time and time again, as I read Jeremiah's work, I see time and time again, Jeremiah puts his eyes, fixes his eyes, keeps his eyes on the Lord. In fact, the Lord would remind Jeremiah in an overwhelming situation in his life. In Jeremiah 33.3, he said this, Call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Isn't it amazing how God shows up in our overwhelming moments and reminds us to keep our eyes on him? Job's a good one. Jeremiah's a pretty good one. But Jesus is the best one. I think of Jesus who moments from the cross in Mark chapter 14, moments from taking upon himself our sin. Moments before making him a sacrifice for all of our sins. Jesus is in a garden. He is overwhelmed. And here's just a snapshot of his prayer. Mark 14, 34. My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them. He fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And what's amazing is no matter where I find Jesus in the garden, no matter how overwhelmed he is, his eyes are on his Father. He's talking with his Father. You see, that entire terribly glorious weekend was that of an overwhelmed Savior whose eyes were on his Father, and he overcame that which overwhelmed him. On that day, the author of Hebrews chapter 4 would teach us that we do not have a high priest who is, in a sense, far off from our suffering. He's been tempted like we've been tempted, yet never fallen. He's known our weaknesses. He's known our discouragements. Guess what? We have a high priest in Jesus who also knows what it is to be overwhelmed. And the author of Hebrews says, based on that, he says, so let us boldly come to the throne of our gracious God. Hebrews 4.14. And we, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Grace when we're overwhelmed the most. 
is what Jesus has to offer to help us to overcome what overwhelms us. But here's the key, church, this morning. We must have our eyes. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, see how this, uh, this story ends. It says this, Then all the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Let, let me just stop here for a minute. It's in my notes, but... Anthony, what do I do when my wife's overwhelmed? When my husband's overwhelmed? My kids are overwhelmed. When my friends, they're overwhelmed. My coworkers are overwhelmed. Hey, let me share with you the best thing that you can do. You ready? Is you can take them and you can stand with them before Jesus. When, when people in your life are overwhelmed, so often we try to fix things when really in actuality our call of Christ is to help them fix their eyes on Jesus who can help them overcome that which, which overwhelms them. And that's what we see the old king doing here. And he says this, and I love this in verse 14. Catch this. And then the spirit of the Lord came up. Upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah. Later in that verse, he would stand before the assembly. Watch this in verse 15. And he said, now remember, the Holy Spirit has come upon him. He is speaking on behalf of God. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I love this. Because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours but it's God. Hey, church, did you hear me? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because the battles that overwhelm us, they don't belong to you. They belong to God. And the fight is his. You know what I'm thankful for as I think of the Holy Spirit here in this passage? I am grateful that the Holy Spirit speaks into our overwhelming moments with God's overcoming message. You see, his Holy Spirit reminds us the battle is not ours, it's God's. We never fight alone. It reminds me what David would say as he stood before his Goliath. And watch what it says here in 1 Samuel 17, 47. David would cry out, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you, O Goliath, into my hands. The battle is the Lord's. I ran across the story of a Virginian soldier by the name of Colonel Byrd. He was captured by Cherokee Indians. He was condemned to die to be put to death by the tribe. And on his execution day, there was a chief in the crowd that stood up, and here were his words. He said, this man is my friend, this Indian chief said. Before you can get at him, you must kill me. I got to thinking about what God would say to the people through his Holy Spirit, what he say, was saying to Jehoshaphat. And here's what it is. It's as if God was saying through his Holy Spirit, Jehaziel, through Jehaziel, before this army can get to Jehoshaphat, before this army can get to my people, they're going to have to go through me first. You see, because the battle is not ours, the battle is his Lord's. Now, let me throw a warning here. The battle belongs to the Lord, but he will not fight every battle for you and for me. There are some battles he will not fight. And here's what I mean. God will not fight battles 
for us to continue in rebellion to him. Hey, God will not fight battles that will lead us deeper into our sin. I liken it this way. For a man who abandons his wife and family, who leaves him because somehow no longer he's happy anymore, and the grass seems greener on the other side, which usually is an indicator there's a broken septic tank. But anyway, the grass is greener on the other side. And he goes to the Lord and he begins to cry out. Oh, God, fight this battle against my wife's attorney who's a better attorney than mine. Oh, God, fight my battle. Let let me tell you something. God ain't fighting that battle. God doesn't fight those types of battles. God will not fight a battle that contradicts his word. You know what? I also know this, that this, this cry, this battle cry is not an invitation for you and I. When life gets overwhelming, to sit back, Grab a bag of Doritos, a pint of Moose Tracks ice cream, a root beer, and a Netflix binge. And just sit around and do nothing. This is not an invitation to do that. You think of it. The battle belongs to the Lord. But David still had to pick up the stones. He still had to stand before Goliath. David still had to sling the stones. And where we find here in Scripture is the battle belongs to the Lord. But Jehoshaphat still had to stand and face his enemies. Watch this in verse 16. As the Holy Spirit conveys this message to the king, tomorrow, watch this, march down against them. They'll be climbing through the passes this. You'll find them at the end of the gorge of the desert of Jeril. Verse 17. I love this. You will not have to fight this battle, but take up your position. Stand firm. And see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid again. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. You ready? To overcome that which overwhelms us. To be an overcomer in an overwhelming situation. You and I have got to do what we know to do. Hey, we got to walk with Jesus we got to talk with him. we got to live in Christ. We have to march. We have to take up our positions. We have to stand firm in the faith and see the deliverance the Lord brings in our overwhelming moments of life. You see, when overwhelmed, we overcome. Because our eyes... Around Jesus, it reminds me of what Paul writes to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31... If God is for us, hey, who can come against you? Later on, he was saying, verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, it's only the Jesus in us that can overcome when we are overwhelmed, as long as we'll keep our eyes on him. That means as long as we'll trust him, as long as we'll lean in on him, As long as we'll listen to him, as long as we'll keep our eyes on him. Let's do this. Let's look back at the ingredients of being overwhelmed that we talked about in in the beginning. If ingredient number one of being overwhelmed is bad news, the Holy Spirit of God combats that bad news with the good news of verse 15. Hey, by the way, Josephat, the battle isn't yours, it's God's. Hey, believer, do you remember the day when you were overwhelmed by something far greater than an opposing, invading army. You were overwhelmed by sin. I remember that day. 
In that day, I remember what it was like to know the bad news of my sin, that it would forever condemn me, separate me from God, destroy me. Hey, I remember being alarmed that I couldn't save myself. There was nothing I could do to to save me from the greatest overwhelming force on the planet, and that's our sin. I remember the powerless moments. I remember the times where I just didn't know what to do. And then alongside of that bad news came the good news. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that I heard in my, my youth pastor. The good news that Jesus could save me. Jesus could overcome and did overcome the greatest overwhelming force in all of creation. And that is our sin. That he overcame it. The good news that was greater than any bad news. That Jesus overcame my sin. And I could be an overcomer with Jesus. Hey, think of ingredient number two. Of being overwhelmed, being alarmed. If the Holy Spirit through the prophet Jehaziel twice reminded the king, hey, listen, not once, but twice reminded the king in verse 15 and verse 17, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Here's what happens. When you and I keep our eyes on Jesus, even the bad news, Jesus can turn into good news because he's at work in it. Hey, here's the good thing, that in Christ, when we are overwhelmed, when we are alarmed, we are reminded that in Jesus, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love love and of self-control. Hey, think of the third ingredient of being overwhelmed, feeling powerless. Is there more of a powerless moment than to realize that we cannot save ourselves from ourselves? And yet Paul would write to the church in Rome in chapter 5 or 6, you see, at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for you, and he died for me, showing his power over our sin. Hey, think of ingredient number four of being overwhelmed. We find in verse 12 where the king simply says, man, I don't know what to do, and yet he does what he knows to do. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. At the words of the prophet, at the, at the words of the Holy Spirit, listen to Jehoshaphat's response. Verse 18, watch this. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. You know what's amazing? When our eyes are on Jesus, even when life gets overwhelming, only Jesus can turn our overwhelming moments into worship moments. And he's really good at doing that. And so Jehoshaphat and his army, they take their positions. I love this. They send every Zach Bennett they have to the front lines. Every worship leader they have, the Bible says they sent to the front lines, not armed with weapons, but armed with worship. And in verse 21, we find the song that they would sing as they took up their positions. Give thanks to the Lord was their song, for his love endures forever. And in verse 22, as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Amnon, of Moab, and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah. And the Bible says this, they were defeated. 
you see an old king in Jehoshaphat kept his eyes on the Lord. And that which overwhelmed him, he overcame and was defeated by the Lord God. And so here's three takeaways as we close. Anthony, how is it that we overcome being overwhelmed? Number one, we overcome being overwhelmed by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Number two, we overcome being overwhelmed, recognizing that the Holy Spirit speaks into our overwhelming moments with his overcoming message that I am in Christ and the battle belongs to Jesus. And number three, only Jesus can take our overwhelming moments and make them worship moments. He can, only he can offset the bad news with his good news. Only he can take what alarms us and break out in praise in our lives. Only Jesus can move us from the place of being powerless to the question of if God is for me, who can be against me? And what do we do when we don't know what to do? We keep our eyes on him. I love what this pastor once said. He said, speaking of God, he supplies perfectly measured grace to meet your needs and mine as his children. For daily needs, there's daily grace. For sudden need, there's sudden grace. For overwhelming needs, there is overwhelming grace. God's grace is given wonderfully but not wastefully, freely but not foolishly, bountifully but not blindly. You know, I think of what overwhelms us. And goodness, church, the small things can overwhelm us in the everyday life. But you know what? There's also big things that loom. There's the marriage that you're just convinced won't survive. Husband and wife who checks out, and it overwhelms you. It's a, it's a child who's sick and you can't fix it. It's a child who's a prodigal and you don't ever see how they're going to come home. It just overwhelms you. It's a trip to the doctor and it's test and the uncertainty of what's going to happen to us physically and it just overwhelms us. It's a job that we can't stand. It's a decision we make in the future. And from the small things to the big things, we find ourselves overwhelmed. You see, the message that Jehoshaphat understood, that we can learn from an old king with a weird name, is that no matter how overwhelming life becomes, we can overcome if we will keep our eyes on Jesus, if we'll keep our eyes on him. Let's pray together. Thank Campbell. you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.